Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Aharoni. Today is the first day of the Hebrew month of Adar, uh, February 22nd, 2023, and this week we're reading the Torah portion of Truma. Uh, but actually this week I'm not going to talk about the Torah portion. I would prefer to talk about the months of Adar that we're entering it is the month during which we will celebrate the holiday of Purim in just two weeks from now. And I'll say just say that when Adar enters, you're supposed to increase in your happiness. So I would like to talk about this concept of happiness, what it is, and how we can increase our happiness. And is it even possible to increase happiness? Or how can the sages tell us to be happy? How can you legislate an emotion. So if you want to find a key to happiness, I hope we will give you some pointers in today's show. So please stick around with us. And before we uh, dive into how to increase happiness, well, actually, let's talk about what happiness is. So we all know when we're happy, right? When we have this amazing feeling of just being overjoyed over something that happens to us. And we usually think that to be happy, you have to have something happen to you, something external that makes you happy. And this is why many people run after happiness elixirs, after happiness events. They go to all kinds of um, events and they buy things and they try to create happiness from the outside. But in Judaism, actually, happiness is not something you get from the outside. It is supposed to be a constant internal feeling that you develop and cultivate, which you then use to serve God. Actually, in the Torah, when God lists a long list of curses that will come over the Jewish people, then he says that the reason that the Jewish people will suffer all these curses is because they don't serve God with joy, with happiness. And it seems to me that being happy and serving God with happiness is the most basic condition that the Torah expects every Jew to reach. So what is this happiness? Because this clearly is not this overjoyed state of we're not supposed to walk around on high the whole time, and certainly the Torah doesn't expect us to be on high, but what is this happiness with which we're supposed to serve God? And the Besetzner Rebbe defines happiness as this feeling of being alive. Just think about it. When you're happy, you feel really alive. So the Besetzner Rebbe says that simcha, joy, is this feeling of being alive, of having a life force of just being full of energy. And yes, it's not easy to cultivate this feeling of energy of being alive, but it is certainly something that the Torah suggests that we strive for. And when we have this feeling of being alive and of doing things because we choose to 
and because we invest ourselves into them, then we can truly serve God, not in a lethargic kind of way. Now, it's very important for me to say that, yes, that people who are depressed, who are not feeling well, who are clinically sick, and obviously for them, it's something that they need to treat. It's not like they're not okay or they're bad because they're lethargic or depressed. It's an illness just like any other illness, and it has to be treated. But I'm talking right now to people who are not sick or not clinically depressed, to people who are regularly in the normal emotional health range. And for us, the Torah says that, yes, it can legislate an emotion. The Torah can actually tell us how to feel. So I want to dive into that for a moment to understand how is it possible for the Torah or for our sages to tell us, oh, this month, com- this month comes along, well, this is how you should feel. It's the month of order, you should be happy. It's the month of of, you should turn down the happiness. Um, so how does this work exactly? And it's actually an excellent question that is asked by some of our rabbis. How can the Torah tell us how to feel? So there are a couple of answers to this that I would like to address. First of all, we have a um, principle in Judaism that after your actions, your heart goes. Whatever you do actually influences how you feel. And this is obvious. So let's say if you go to a birthday party or a wedding and you may not feel so fired up when you get there, but if you get to the party and there's music playing and you decide to dance and you get on the dance floor and you start moving on the dance floor and you dance and the music is good and lively and you have your friends there, well, pretty soon you will feel happy because your actions lead you to feel emotions. So, first of all, the actions we choose also affect our emotions. If we choose to just sulk on the couch and scroll through our Facebook feed and read all the gloomy and doomy news online, chances are we are not going to feel so fired up and happy. But if you get up or walk around the block and or jog or do some physical exercise or talk to people you like or do things you like or bring more of what you like and love into your life in a conscious, aware kind of way because you want to increase the amount of happiness in your life, well, this is going to work. And this is not a cheap, thrill kind of happiness you are consciously choosing to manage your mood and make your mood better. Not cheap thrills, but really bring in the things in your life that make you happy. That's number one. But number two, we have another principle. And that principle is that your thoughts lead your emotions, that your brain, your mind, lords over your heart. And what that means is that the thoughts that you choose to think affect how you feel. Now, this is a very key point. We have control over our thoughts. And yes, there is a small percentage of people who, for some kind of reason, have 
and they sure cannot control their thoughts, but most people can control their thoughts. So we choose what we think. For example, if you think a toxic idea such as, I'm so stupid, how could I do this? This was such a stupid thing to do. You're automatically going to feel deflated. But when that thought goes into your mind, you can move your mind to something else. You cannot fight the thought, but you can move your thought to something else. This is also very important. You cannot fight thoughts. You cannot decide not to think them. The only way to, quote-unquote, fight a thought is to just move your mind to something else. So, if your mind starts thinking, I'm so stupid, how could I do this? This is horrible. As soon as you notice that you are thinking something that's toxic, that bad, move your mind to something else. Look around at your room. Notice the binding of the books on your shelf. Um, Check out your fingernails. Um, Look at the sky. Look at something. Just move your mind away from that toxic thought. And the same happens when the toxic thought is about other people. Move your mind to something else. This is the key to moving away from toxic thoughts that make you feel deflated and sad. And consciously choose to think positive thoughts. For example, one way to increase happiness in our life is through gratitude. Now, I know everybody is talking about this, and this is a topic of so many podcasts and workshops, but really, gratitude works. If you want to increase your happiness, just sit down and think of all the things you're happy about, all the things you're grateful for in the past hour, several hours, or in the past day, and make them small. They don't have to be big things. Just if you think about that, first of all, you're healthy, you have people you love around you, you had something tasty for breakfast, you have a job, Um, whatever it is, there is certainly something that you have that somebody else doesn't. And we all have what to be grateful for. So listing a few things to be grateful for will absolutely raise your mood. And if you make this a daily practice to write down or think about the things that you're grateful for, it will make you happier. Or here's another idea. You can always choose to think about a person in your life that you love or that loves you and to think about an incident between the two of you which expresses your mutual love. Or think about an event in your life that made you happy. All I'm giving you are some ideas, but I'm sure you can think of many more. If you think of things, people, places, and events that made you happy, that um, showed some kind of a success on your part, that just made you feel loved and good about yourself, it will make you feel that all over again. Because ironically, our brains don't know how to distinguish between actual events happening to us and us thinking about those events. So we all know that, for example, you have an unpleasant conversation with somebody and you feel bad about it. And then 
you start replaying that conversation in your head. And the more you play it in your head, the worse you feel about yourself. And let's say several days pass. And what do you do? You replay that conversation in your head and you feel bad about yourself, just like you did when it happened. So instead of doing that, we can actually, number one, move our mind away from the negative thought. If you've had a bad conversation, there's no point in replaying it in your mind on a loop for days on end. You just pull yourself more and more and more into misery. So part of being happy, part of living with Simcha is to learn to notice your thinking patterns and to pull away from negative thoughts. And in the same way, you can take a happy event, you can take a happy moment or a happy place or a happy person, something that makes you happy. And yes, think about that a few times and that will put you into a positive mood. So in short, we have a lot of power over our moods and we can make more happiness in our life by the things we do, the events we go to, and the thoughts we think. And when the Torah tells us that we're supposed to serve God with happiness, that means that we aren't supposed to, the Torah expects us to, create more happiness in our life. We all have a set point for happiness. It is actually neurologically wired into us. And research shows that the events that people go through in their life don't really change this happiness level. For example, if you're wired for happiness at a certain level and something amazing happens to you, like you win the lottery. So yes, your happiness rates will go up for a while, but after some time, they'll come back to your set point. And the same happens to, God forbid, people who go through tragic accidents. Even if a person goes to, through a tragic accident and he becomes a wheelchair bound, so for sure, during the first several months, his level of happiness will decrease. But after about a year, he will come back to the level of happiness that he is used to from before the accident. But the good news is that we can move the needle. What this means is that external events only affect our happiness temporarily, either for better or for worse. But we can actually choose to move the needle and to up our inbuilt point of happiness. We can move the needle on that. How do we do that? by constantly choosing to think thoughts that make us happy. And this is constant work. And this is what the Torah is all about. The Torah is all about giving us the tools to make ourselves better, more productive, more positive people through work. We choose what to look at. We can always choose to look at the negative or the positive, both the present at every single moment. And the Torah suggests that we take as much time as possible to concentrate on the positive. Now, it's important to notice that we're not supposed to cut the sad, bad, unhappy 
parts of ourselves away. Yes, there is tragedy in life. Yes, there are hard circumstances in life. Yes, there's trauma in life. People go through events. It's not like we're supposed to scoot by them and say, oh, it really didn't happen. Oh, I'm not going to feel those um, emotions. We're supposed to recognize those emotions. We're supposed to say hello to them and notice them and give place to them by from um, an aware kind of way. There's a difference in playing on a loop, a negative conversation that you had, and just sinking into the despair, the misery, the self-loathing of that bad conversation. And on the other hand, noticing, oh, I had a bad conversation. And every time I think about it, it makes me feel bad. Okay, so yes, this thing happened. It was unfortunate. This conversation didn't go so well. And it makes me feel sad. Now that I can recognize the sadness and acknowledge it as a legitimate form of feeling after something bad happens, we can say, okay, how else could I have handled that situation? Does it really mean that if I had one bad conversation, it makes me stupid and so on? Basically, look at it, acknowledge it, but then get back to reality. And look at it from a different vantage point. And then say, okay, there's always tshuva. The point of tshuva is actually that you can change your life. And even if something bad happened, something you are unhappy about, part of tshuva is saying, it happened, I did it, I'm sorry about it, I'm going to do better going forward, and then putting it aside and concentrating on the positive and moving ahead. But what about the negative events of our life that were done to us? This is something that also happens. We have gone through traumas, we have gone through negative experiences, and they color how we look at the world. Thankfully, we live at a time when there's so many tools and professionals that can help us deal with the trauma. And I'm sure that you've probably tried that already. And maybe it worked and maybe it didn't. But there is more work that could be done. There are many more tools that could be used. Every single person deserves to reach healing. You are a beautiful creation of God. And no matter what happened to you, no matter what was done to you, no matter what you lived through, nothing can soil that. You are still a beautiful creation of God. And you deserve to be happy. You deserve to live a life of self-worth. And that may require healing and addressing the things that you have gone through. But please, pray about it. Think about it. And find new ways to find healing. They are out there and you owe it to yourself to find those ways to heal. So this is what I would like to talk about when it comes to the legislation, quote unquote, uh, the um, commandment to find happiness in our life. Because in our Western society, that sounds so strange. We would tell others, you don't tell me how to feel. You don't tell me what to do. I have total autonomy to do, feel, and speak any way I want. 
But this is not the Jewish way. In Judaism, we come into the world not to do what we want, but to serve God. And serving God becomes really relevant when you have the power to change. Serving God means becoming a better person, a more positive person, a more grateful person. And that comes across in our speech, in our action, but also in our thoughts. And our thoughts, as we discuss, change how we feel. So finding inner healing and bringing more and more positivity and light into our soul is part of serving God. And it is so relevant during the month of Adar. Because it sounds so random. So what? 2,500 years ago, the Jewish people were saved from an annihilation. What does that have to do with me today in 2023? Well, actually, everything. Because the rhythm of the Jewish calendar, as we discussed many, many times, is not a history museum. The fact that we celebrate Purim on the 15th day of Adar is not because that's the day when the Jewish people were delivered 2,500 years ago from Haman. It's because this energy of deliverance, of Jewish continuity, of overcoming our enemies, of happiness and celebration is inherent in this time. We in Judaism believe that every time, place, and person has a unique spiritual godly energy. And all of our commandments are tuned into accessing that energy. So this month of Adar actually has amazing energy for happiness. We just need to tap into it by, first of all, being aware of it and then doing things that will help us tap into this energy. So, for example, the things we discussed until now could help you tap into this energy. Celebrating the holiday of Purim could help you tap into this energy. And also doing good things for other people, which is actually part of celebrating Purim, could help you tap into this energy. So the reason Odar is a month of happiness is because it is full of this happiness energy and it is much more available to tap into for the whole year. So this is why this concept of happiness is connected to the month of Adar. Now, the opposite in the Talmud is the month of Av. We're told that during the month of Av, when the um, temple was destroyed, we're supposed to reduce happiness. But notice that we're not taught to eliminate happiness, just to tune it down a little bit. And the reason is because a Jew is always supposed to be happy, even during the month of of when we're mourning for the destruction of the temple and the exile that is affecting us to this day, a Jew is never supposed to be unhappy. He's supposed to be a little bit less happy. So tune it down a little bit. But during the month of Adar, as we said, this is the month to really tap into happiness, to feel alive. Bring into your life the thoughts the people, the events that make you feel alive.
And one more idea that I would like to share with you that I think can really help you tap into Simcha and feel happy. Purim starts a chain of events that will lead us to Passover, to Pesach, and then to Shavuot. And we will discuss this after Purim because the time between Purim and Shavuot is a very special time. It's the 72 days of Chesed, of loving kindness, where we can have an extra merit, an extra boost of energy to reach amazing spiritual heights. But one of the things that make people happy and energetic and give us this sense of being alive is having spiritual goals. So the Jewish people are not celebrating being delivered from Haman just because we're alive for another 2,500 years. It's because the Jewish people carry the torch of God's Torah. We are a nation of Kohanim, of priests, and we have a message for the world. This is our spiritual goal. Our spiritual goal is to live the Torah and bring it to the world, to bring the beauty of knowing God and serving God to the world. And yes, we're not Messianics and we don't evangelize, but it is still our mission and we still look forward to the day when everybody, all the nations of the world will recognize God. So this is the spiritual goal of the Jewish people. And we're happy, not just because of our physical endurance, but mainly because of our spiritual endurance. And as we approach the holiday of Purim, it's an amazing time to think of spiritual goals that you could choose for yourself and start living and materializing and using that as a source of happiness. And once again, any spiritual goal worth its salt will be hard to reach. And yes, you will fall down and get up and fall down and get up and have many slidebacks and failures along the road. But that's fine because we move forward in small incremental steps. This is how we reach any goal. So as we're um, nearing Purim, I suggest write down a goal for yourself, something you really like to do. It doesn't have to be anything major, something that's doable for you, but that will give you a sense of purpose and happiness and being alive and will add to your Simcha during this month of Adar. So before leaving, I'd love to wish you an amazing happy month of Adar that you find ways to tap into its amazing, life-giving, happy energy. And that by the time the perms come around in two weeks, you will find a spiritual goal that keeps you going and gives you a sense of purpose and satisfaction. This was Leah Aroni with news from the Torah. I love seeing you and I hope to see you again next week. Bye-bye now. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. 
plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 